Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I am your host, Patrick Grimion, otherwise known as Patty G. You are listening to The Patty G Show, where I bring on local guests to talk about their specific business or businesses, as well as the entrepreneurial scene of Baton Rouge and surrounding areas. We also get down and dirty to look at the fine print of their journeys thus far. We share some of the greatest of times that they've had in developing their businesses, but we also take a look at those dark times, those bad times in their businesses where they learn some very invaluable lessons. So if you enjoy learning from business leaders or you want to start helping make an impact in your community, this is the show for you. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the latest episode of the Patty G Show. My name is Patty G. You're listening to the Patty G Show. I have Jeannie Emery, owner of Bra Genie, on the show this week, and we're going to learn anything and everything she has to offer about her particular business and kind of look at the shift that made her transition from actual industry working for a big corporation to realizing where they had some flaws that she could do better on her own. So I want to welcome you, Jeannie, to the episode. Thank you so much for coming on. And give the audience kind of this background of what exactly it is Bra Genie's about. Thank you, Patty G. What is Bra Genie about? So my business is a little bit different from most bra fitting experiences in that when a woman comes into my store, she's not on her own. We're kind of like a breast friend, so we're there for her. We help her get measured. We do all the legwork. We keep about 5,000 bras in stock. My fitters do the back and forth running. We try to make it a fun experience. And if you, you said you have women in your family, and so I don't know if you know it, but most women do not look forward to bra fitting. So we try to make it fun. Okay. So what... I know you said you've got all the 5,000 bras, and so whenever you we were walking through your store earlier, the first thing that came to mind was say yes to the dress. And just the fact of on the show, they have all these different dresses, and that's literally what you have here. You've got so many different options available. You know, you can tweak and get everything to basically be perfect for the customer, which is super, super incredible. And so I want to touch on what was that problem that you were trying to solve in industry. I know I read on your website you worked at some of the big top players. Like, was it, uh, what were the, some of the companies you used to work for? I, um, I was in retail as a manager for a while, and then I took a little break and was a mom, stay-at-home mom, and then I started merchandising for a big bra company called Lunaire. And I would go into um, all of the Dillard's department stores in southeast Louisiana, and I would help their sales team understand the product that I represented, and I would work their fit events and help customers. And I quickly realized women would come seek me out just because I had that tape measure around my neck while I was visiting the stores. And they were desperate to get measured and fitted, but it wasn't just the fitting process that they were desperate for. Sometimes the sizes that they really needed weren't even available at the store. And I realized that most department stores carry about 25 or 30 sizes, which sounds like a lot. But women are shaped in about 180 different sizes. So bands go from a tiny little 28 band all the way up to sometimes a 52, 54 band for curvier girls. Cups go from an A all the way up to a United Kingdom K. 
most department stores didn't want to carry that inventory. They wanted to really press the easy button. So they had, you know, 34 to 40 A through G U.S. sizes, and that's it. And so I realized that I could open a side business from my home and still be a mom and do bra fitting by appointment only. Okay. So you... You saw the need that was there was people were coming after you for that tape measure. So almost kind of like, a, I guess, for a guy as a suit tailor where they come in and you get measured perfectly so everything fits right. And so what was the transition like from having being a stay-at-home mom but also doing those, you know, those private uh, fittings at your house? Uh, it was gradual, I'll tell you. It started out and I thought, who's going to come to this crazy woman's house who they don't know? And get a bra fitting. I started with a little Times Picayune newspaper ad. It said um, bra fitting by appointment only. I had a gorgeous picture of one of the bras that I carried in stock. I bought about $2,000 worth of bras at cost, which is not really a lot in the big picture. And I put that ad in the paper and people started calling. And then women started telling their friends. And then I started doing bra fitting parties, kind of like a pampered chef party, but it was a bra fitting party where I would, I'd put that show on the road. I would load up my SUV and drive over to that house and we would sell bras. And over the course of about two and a half years, I built up a clientele of about 2000 women. Oh, wow. Who walked within through the doors within two and a half years. That's incredible. Exactly. It's crazy. Hurricane Katrina hit right in the very beginning. And she wiped a lot of women out. And so my business opened February of 2005. Hurricane Katrina came August of 2005. Once I got back into town, after all the electricity was back on in the North Shore about 10 days later, I started getting calls from women saying, you got to help me. I've got nothing. I just was wiped out. Um, and they, and that honestly, it, it was kind of the impetus. As sad as it was, it was, it was that it, it helped Broad Genie. It really did. Wow. And so where was that first store located at? You said that you're affected by it, by Katrina. I'm sorry. Where was the first store location? Was well, it this Covington branch? It was Mandeville. Was it? Mandeville. It was okay. Mandeville. But that was while I was still at home. That was while okay. I was still working from home. And that helped me to build up those 2,000 clients. Okay. And so in November of 2008, it was just too big to do at home. I was working full-time from home. I, I mean, full-time. I, I it was mind-boggling how I was doing all the inventory and freight coming in and special orders, and my daughter would help me hang bras at night. It was crazy. It was it was a, definitely a family business. You'd open our hall closet where normally you find coats, and that's where we kept the nursing bras. So it was time, and so I opened my first Mandeville store in November of 2008. So what, what was that store opening process like, like down to the, the details? What was it like sourcing out a location, and what kind of thoughts did you have going in your head? when you're trying to pick out that perfect location for the first store? Oh, yeah. I looked at a lot of spots that I'm so thankful I didn't go to, you know, in hindsight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was walking, you know, when we finally did find a spot, it's, you know, is it too big? That's the big thing in retail. You don't want to have more square footage than you need. You know, it's all dollars per square foot. Um, we, you know, walking through it, designing it. How many fitting rooms do you need? Well, we started with four fitting rooms, and we quickly quickly realized it wasn't enough. Had to schlep in two more fitting rooms, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly. By the time we left Mandeville, I think we had 10 fitting rooms. We had to build an office for the accounting manager because she had to be there all the time. Um, I, it, it's funny to see how we grow. In hindsight, having three stores now, I, I've learned so much about 
getting great real estate agents to help you through the process, getting a, uh, an attorney who specializes in reading through a lease to help you understand and negotiate all the ins and outs of your particular lease. So I look back at when I had my husband redlining my lease back in 2008 and he, he was not a, a real estate attorney <laughs> to the last lease that I just negotiated where we hired an attorney for the second time. You just look back and you're thankful that you've learned what you've learned. Right. It takes those initial kind of bumps in the road to figure out what you need. So then what was the second store opening experience? Second store was our Baton Rouge Town Center store. Okay. And so we opened her up in um, 2015. Wow. Okay. So that's yeah. kind of, that's within the last, you know, four years or yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you want to go... Like, what was your decision process for moving to or opening your second store in Baton Rouge? Well, we looked at our market. We had always collected zip codes. And mm -hmm. so we, we looked at our customer base. And we knew that about 30% of our business was coming over from the New Orleans area. And, you know, the bridge is a 24-minute bridge. It's not that big a deal. So we really thought we, we had about 15% um, that was coming from Baton Rouge. And I'm an LSU graduate. Go Tigers. Um, so is my daughter. And she was getting ready to go into school there, and I thought it would be the great Brogini too, the great location. And uh, how, how has it played out over the last four years? Has oh, it been the great Brogini location? It's been great. I mean, all of my baby stores are great. They're my babies. Um, no, it's worked out really well. I think we've gained a lot of customers from the Lafayette area as well, who it was just too far for them to come all the way out here. Mm -hmm. But Baton Rouge is not too far from them. For them, and then a lot of our Denim Springs and Hammond customers, sometimes they will go to our Baton Rouge store because that's more convenient than coming to our um, North Shore store. Okay, okay. So, whenever I got here, it was kind of this unique atmosphere that in the store itself. What kind of culture are you trying to instill in the employees, and does that change for each of your locations? We try to keep the culture the same at all three locations because that's super important, but. We try to have that aura or that vibe when women walk in of compassion and of lightheartedness, but also of, of beautiful things. We want women to understand that it's okay, whether they're single or in a relationship, to want to be pretty, sometimes for themselves, sometimes for someone else. But we are trying to um, nurture their spirit. It's not always easy. <laughs> and I say that because when you have a team, we have 31 employees, we actually have a broad genie culture um, to live by, like rules to live by, document that is super important to us. And it's basically don't act like you're in um, bad girls. You know, you're a high school drama queen. Leave your drama at the door um, and act like a grown up when you're here. And that's for our team. In order for us to take care of our customer, we have to, if you're having a bad day, leave it at the door because these customers are in here and trust me, they may be having a worse day than you. That's right. You don't want to reflect that negative feeling off you of can't. you. You can't. It can be, it can be so um, tricky for a woman as her body changes throughout her life. She's, whether she's young or old, she's not always happy with it, but it's our job to show her the beauty in herself. And do you think that you accomplish that within the customer experience? We sure do try, yeah. It's amazing when you take a woman who, I mean, breasts can be very heavy. Um, they can change the appearance of how your clothes are. But when you put her in the right bra, whether it has a wire or no wire, um, and you turn her around and you see her face in that mirror, 
and how she just suddenly maybe sees her waistline, which she couldn't see before because her breasts were so droopy. She looked like a pear. You spin her around and she sees that she's an hourglass and she turns around and hugs you or there are tears in her eyes or she says, I can't believe this. Or she like touches her center chest wall, which is where a bra should sit when it's properly fitted. And she goes, I've never been able to do this. Like this is how a bra is supposed to fit. It, it's, it's very rewarding. Wow. It sounds like you're not really selling a product, but you're selling an emotional experience for the person. Well, to in make this, themselves, you know, feel that much better about themselves in, when they walk out the door. In this day where brick and mortars are closing down left and right, you have to create an experience for the customer so that she will come back to you to buy her, you know, her third and her fourth and her fifth bra and her swimsuit and her strapless and her shapewear. Because let's face it, it's super easy to go on Amazon at, you know, 930 at night when, you know, Netflix is boring you and you're like, oh, I just need another one of those. I'll just order another one. We all are guilty of not shopping local, but we try to give women a reason to come back in. We try to make a friend build that trust so that they do come back to us so that we can stick around and carry 5,000 bras at every store, right? And have right. a staff of fitters that are, that's ready and willing to help them like they are. That's incredible. So what, with that, you know, like the online shopping, like you said, how technology is shifting to no longer need to go out to even get your food at this point. You know, you can sit so and order true. your groceries and your clothes and everything. What type of, are y'all looking at specific technology at the moment to potentially help you in the future, help more women, you know, across the country, not even just within the three locations, but maybe start reaching out to Mississippi and Texas and, you know, Alabama in Tennessee and the northern countries from Louisiana, are y'all looking at any particular forms of technology to help you with that? Well, we did dabble a little bit in Skype fittings okay. a couple years ago, and we thought it was really unique offering a woman a Skype fitting. And we would ask her to have a friend to help her to measure herself because it's really hard to measure yourself because you hunch your shoulders over. It's really important that somebody kind of stand in front of you and take these three measurements. And then we would, you know, interview her about what she's looking for in a bra. And then we would send her five or six bras. She would try them on. And then we would evaluate them over Skype. And then we would, she would send them back. <laughs> it was a lot of work on both parts. So, you know, I say the best thing a woman can do is make the trip, whether it's a two hour trip, get your bra fitting, make your relationship with that bra fitting store, whether it's bra genie or someone else, right. and then shop with them loyally because we have customers who are in Alaska, Hawaii, all over the country who have been to bra genie. Maybe they visited a relative somewhere in the greater New Orleans area and they call us and they go, Ugh, I gained 30 pounds. What do you think? What can you help me? And my fitters will talk them through and send them things because they've shopped with us and we know they were properly fitted to begin with. That's incredible. Yeah. And not all bras fit the same. It's not like a waist size and a length like men do for pants. Mm -hmm. It's not quite that simple. It's more like shoes and blue jeans, you know? Oh it's tricky. You might be this size in one brand and another size in another brand. And so... Honestly, being in the store, it, it's worth the trip. I always say make that first initial trip at least. Right. Get that baseline and then you can work from there. Exactly. So what were some of the big challenges of opening these second and third stores? Like what was your biggest challenge with opening that second one? And did that challenge kind of exist for the third one? One of my challenges with the second one was that um, we, when choosing contractors, we, choose, we chose the most economical one. 
and not being in Baton Rouge, we didn't really pressure them to get things done. So we were delayed by a month and a half. And that's a, a lot of time. So the grand opening didn't happen when we planned for it to happen. We had freight stock bras that I had purchased that were sitting in boxes that we couldn't put in the store because they were still building out. So that was a lesson learned about not always choosing the cheapest. The cheapest is not always the best, right? right, right. <laughs> Pressuring and staying in touch. <laughs> um, that, that was something we definitely took away from our, from our Baton Rouge store. And so with that knowledge going to your third store, did you find the same issues or were you better prepared? I was much better prepared because we signed a contract that had a time frame in it. Yeah, it was yeah completely different and and had great realtors that helped us through the process and that's a big that's a big thing right there having great commercial real estate people who you trust who I still go back if I'm having an issue with Lakeside Mall say for our third store they'll intervene for instance we want to put a sign on the back of our store because our store backs up to the Dillard's parking lot but right. you can't see we're not allowed to have a back sign so we have to petition same um um, Jefferson Parish for the sign. Anyway, they were our, my real estate agents were our go-between between Lakeside Mall and us to even get the approval to start the petition process. They're just still with me, helping me out, you know, a year and a half later. That's great. Yeah, so those, it's important. those initial connections that you made along the way kind of set you up for success. And is there any foresight into a fourth store maybe? Possibly, yeah. Um, I think before we go there, mm -hmm. we really want to redo our website and make it our fourth store because we're here we've got the stock we've got the product we've got the manpower we want to get that website really state-of-the-art so we've been trying and trying and trying for the last year and a half to get our website to connect to our new POS system and it had a lot of um, advances and then failures and it's connected but it's not great it looks a little dated I'm just not happy with it and so we are looking at going with a new developer and just starting from scratch and making it beautiful and modern and shoppable for women. So I think that's going to be our fourth store for now, but who knows? Who right. knows? And so what, what kind of additional features are you looking to add to the website just besides the overall look of it? Uh, just to make it uh, more easily shoppable, more scrollable, just more exciting and, and dynamic and, and interesting for women to pull them in to want to go to our website and not blip off to someone else's. Yeah. Right. Make it worth it and determine if it's... You know, do they want to make this drive or not to get yes. to the actual store? Yes. Very yes. cool. So what, throughout this process, I'm sure you've had a lot of experience with each different city having their own unique struggles and, you know, fa failures and successes. What is something you would change within the, let's say, for example, the Baton Rouge or Covington area for businesses that you found along the way that was a big struggle that you had to overcome and nobody was there to help you with what oh. was what's one thing that you would change if given the option honestly the permitting process i, I don't know if that's something that you mean but yeah, absolutely the absolutely. permitting process in baton rouge was the biggest headache i've ever encountered in all three stores it was we had to jump through so many hoops really? and, it, and it it makes it tough for business owners and what what were some of the hoops or some of the 
you know, walls they put up in front of you that you keep having to go back and figure out how to get around. Oh, it's just, you know, calling an office and nobody was available and uh, ew, don't make me relive it. Moving <laughs> 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 on. So and you, exper- you didn't experience the same type of, you know, struggles within the Metairie and the Covington all? Um, Metairie a little bit. I had to personally go over to Gretna to open up a business, sign a business license and, and out to Elmwood. But it wasn't, it was very scheduled. I had great instructions. They told me exactly what I needed to do. I don't remember having to do that here in St. Tammany, but that was 2008. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm just forgetting, you know, the pain. You sometimes forget the pain, like childbirth. (laughs) (laughs) We we tend to remember the good times and not necessarily. We do. We do. But another thing is, you know, a lot of people think, ah, I love this. I'm going to open a business. I think me working at home and establishing myself and building that clientele before I opened a storefront was essential to the success of Bra Genie. You don't just open a store because you like to sell bras. It's I've seen lots of people in this industry do it and realize it takes a lot of manpower, a lot of inventory, a lot of money, a lot of overhead to do it right. But um, I always say work in the industry that you want to be in before you open up something big, yeah. Right. you know, get a little experience. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that you, you know, a, that what you're trying to provide the customers want and b you're competent enough to actually provide what the customers are asking for and see that it makes you happy. Right. Absolutely. Because that's so important in our life. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I do here at Bra Genie brings me so much joy. I, I talk about it too much. Probably I work too much probably, but I, I love what I do. And that's the difference. I, I hope everybody has a career that they, if they don't love, that they at least like. Yeah. Something that, you know, makes them want to get out of bed the next day, excited to go back to that exactly. workstation. Exactly. Life is full of enough angst and depression, right? Right. Just watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So taking, taking a step back away from Broad Genie for a second, what kind of kid were you like growing up? I was precocious. I was a little precocious. Okay. Um, I went to public school in Michigan, and we had a gifted and talented program. Um, And I got to be in that. It was a great public school system. And I was always talking, um, daydreaming a lot, got called daydreamer. I would go on vacation with my parents, and I would start talking to strangers and I got that from my dad. <laughs> but I think that that whole, that outgoing, the confidence, the liking people, wanting to communicate with people, it's, they're so helpful in what I do mm-hmm. because I'm working with women, I'm listening to their needs, I'm making sure I'm giving them what they want. It definitely set me on the right track. Uh, okay, so whenever you were growing up, was there a specific moment in your life that you realized that you wanted to do something outside of the regular corporate world or the regular nine to five world. That's a great, like an, like an aha moment. Like, like an aha moment yeah. or even just, you know, that moment of what am I doing here whenever I can do something else far more better or bring a much greater joy. Well, I'll tell you what, Patrick, I graduated high school and didn't hadn't saved money for college. I had worked all through high school and my parents basically were of the mindset that, you know, you're on your own once you graduate. That's just the way it was. It was 1982, right outside of Detroit. It was like, okay, Jeannie, what are you going to do? I struggled to figure out what I wanted to do. 
and I joined the U.S. Army. Really? Yeah. So I, I went off to basic training and was in the U.S. Army for three and a half years, and it changed my life. I um, was stationed at Fort Polk. That's how I ended up in Louisiana. And as my term of service was getting close, I, I really liked the South. I really liked Louisiana. I did some research. I looked at LSU in Baton Rouge, and I said, I want to go to LSU. And uh, the Louisiana National Guard offered free state tuition for universities. Right. I had already saved a chunk of money through the, um, the Army scholarship program. And so I moved to Baton Rouge, signed up at LSU, and joined the National Guard, and did another three years with the National Guard. Wow. So those were aha moments to me. I knew it was a struggle. Nobody could believe that I would do well in the military because I was sassy. But it <laughs> taught me a lot about um, being my own boss, you know, holding myself accountable, right. being prepared. Right. So you think that the, the values in civilian in the military definitely set you up for success to be an entrepreneur? For sure. 100%. Wow. So yeah. what did you major in at LSU? Fashion merchandising. Fashion merchandising. How, how was that curriculum? It was a little easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I graduated top of my class. <laughs> it was a little easy. It was, it was a good curriculum. Um, I had fantastic instructors. Um, I went right from graduating, went right into the buyer training program with Maison Blanche, which was a big department store at the time. Um, the Career Planning and Placement Center had sent me on a ton of interviews. I got lots of job offers. I mean, it the program had me ready to be a buyer, which is what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a buyer. So I went on with Maison Blanche and unfortunately they had just over acquired stores in Florida and their funding was getting low and they were having difficulties. And within a, about a year and a half, they sold out, they folded wow. and sold out. Yeah. So at that point I transferred to stores because I wanted to stay in Louisiana. I didn't want to go and work for uh, the people who took them over. Mm -hmm. And, um, Working in stores, I think, made me realize I, I could do this. I like, I like that retail atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I always liked playing store as a kid. <laughs> you know, maybe that, right. maybe that started it. <laughs> Set up the cash register at the Set house. Set it up. And and, everybody yeah, out. yeah, that was me. Wow. <laughs> so what, what attracted you to the buying portion? You said you knew you wanted to do buying. What, what exactly made you know for sure um, I want to do buying? I love looking at the history of what sells and, and how it sells. I like I love the research part of it, of looking at styles and, and looking to see how they did and um, what sizes are selling. And, and it's fun. It's, I've always loved fashion. And it's, you know, lingerie is beautiful. And it's, it's just a really fun way to provide products for women to express themselves. Okay. Okay. So... I read on the website that you and Mary Catherine are kind of the, the head hunters of the team. What is it like working with your daughter in the business? My Mary Catherine, my little sweetie. I have a picture here of her when she was three years old. It's awesome. She's our marketing director. She is um, not like me at all, which is great okay. because she's the yin to my yang. She's where I'm like, I make decisions probably too quickly. She's methodical and she researches and studies, you know, she is like, it's, it's amazing. We work really well together and it, and it, um, it reassures my heart that my business has a future because she's interested in it. And here she is on her, in her second year working with me. So, um, 
Yeah, it helps me sleep at night, definitely. That's good. What what was some of the early on struggles whenever she came into the business? Was it, you know, she had so many ideas that trying to shake things up as the, you know, the young daughter coming in? Or was she more like, okay, mom, kind of show me the ropes? Well, a little bit of both. Uh, you got to realize she's been going to market with me since she was about 13. Um, she'd go every summer to New York and I've always listened to her. She gives me that refreshing, you know, younger point of view. Um, yeah, she's got a lot of big ideas and she is very, um, like she's going to challenge me, which I think is great. You know, it's, I'm not saying she's not respectful. She's incredibly respectful, but she's challenging me to think outside the box and to use technology. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which your generation is so much better at yeah, it's, it's than mine. It's definitely a different shift from, you know, the previous generations, I guess, where just everything was in the store, everything was in the paper, and now with our generation so, you know, stuck on technology that it's, everything has to be done through the phone. And I'm sure that's a challenge that you're facing now, trying to get the younger clientele to still want to come into the stores. And that's where she helps. She's really working on social media, on our Instagram and our Facebook account. We're exploring going, doing YouTube videos. And she, I think, is like a breath of fresh air to kind of um, make things younger. And, you know, women of all ages want to be young. I have to remind her of this. Sometimes I'll say, Mary Catherine, that sounded very ageist. You know, don't talk about <laughs> older women. Because women want to look and feel younger regardless of their age. You know, so the trends that she sees as exciting for her peer group are actually okay for fashion forward women my age too. Right. Yeah. Right. So what, what is, what are some of the things, you know, you said the social media and the YouTube channel, that's actually really neat. How are y'all planning to go with the YouTube? Stay tuned. We're working on it. Yeah. I think we need to do little, little in-house videos, you know, how to take care of your bras, just, um, I don't know. We're exploring. Definitely. Okay. And what, is there any thoughts of maybe even bringing back the traveling shows, like you said, you used to do have brawl parties, essentially? I have had many requests and still get requests to go and do it at events. It's tough when you have 180 different sizes. So if you brought one bra of each size, that would be almost 200 bras. And that's just one bra. We have maybe 100, 200 different styles you know, and a woman, women's bodies are so different. It would be tricky. We will do tables and things like that at events where we can set up appointments, where we can give out information. That works better for us than trying to bring the show on the road. Definitely. Okay. So what, what about some of the, uh, some of the customers that maybe not have the ability to travel? Do y'all have a, you know, travel to you type situation that you go for? We don't, unfortunately. Yeah. Once again, it would be tricky. Yeah. It would be very tricky. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. But we're always willing to talk to them on the phone to um, to help them out, to send them bras if they want us to go through the measuring process with them. And um, we're always here for that. That's great. For sure. Yeah. So you're still able to meet them even if they can't get to you in a way. We hope to. Yeah, we do. We have strangers call us. We do. Yeah, we have strangers and we try to help them as best we can. Sometimes we say, okay, what are you wearing right now? What bra is it? What brand is it? What style is it? What's do? What's going on? How much breast tissue is coming out of the cup? Mm-hmm. And to try to go, okay, well, let's increase the cup too, or let's decrease the band one. We, we try to do those magic tricks on the phone, but as you can imagine, it's not as easy as an in-store fitting. That is so true. So what on this journey, which is 
you know, far from being over for you, what are some of the biggest struggles that you've had to face with? Um, I think building a team. I think personnel, when you're in a business like this, that's you're, you're in such personal contact with your customer. It's getting people on our team that understand that the customer is number one and really the team is equally important because if the team isn't right, say you have a toxic employee or a negativity situation going on or a bullying situation, this is within your team, Mm -hmm. learning how to nip that in the bud and make it about the team so that the team is there to help the customer and the customer doesn't have to deal with any drama. That is, that's been the biggest challenge, but having a team of people working for me who are all on board with that same mentality has been a big plus. That's great. And so did you, how was that process of having to find those managers at the new locations to maintain that same team driven culture you've created? Everybody comes from within just about not, well, I shouldn't say everybody, all of my managers um, have come from either working here as a fitter or our store manager, Antonia here at our Covington store was a customer and her mom was a and one of my original pioneer customers, I called them, who came to my house. And I remembered meeting Antonia and um, reaching out to her when we had a position open. And she came on board and learned how to fit and be a manager all in about a month. It was pretty incredible. <laughs> but mostly you kind of raise up the people that you have. That's great. So yeah. that, that from within is something you see that's going to you know, kind of project you all and keep that culture across the board. So we're hoping for that's sure. Great. Yeah. So if... If you had to start from the beginning, what changes would you make, if any? Personality tests are great. And now they have um, these personality tests that we can take to understand how to better communicate with one another. We're using this crystal report now. And I really wish we had started to use the communicating with one another aspect of it earlier because it's amazing how off-put somebody can be by how somebody tells them to do something versus ask them to do it, you know, if, right. if that's where they're coming from. So I, I really wish I had utilized that a little bit earlier. Um, gosh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay. And what, so with the team being so critical for you, what does your interview process look like when you're looking for a new employee mm-hmm. to hire? We, um, we do a phone interview first, okay. Antonia does. We actually, Antonia is our store manager in uh, Covington. She's also just taken an HR course, which she passed with flying colors. And so she's getting our whole HR program off the ground at the same time. So she um, does a phone interview uh, and then um, sets up group interviews, usually if she can. If we have um, two or three or four candidates to interview that we think are good, we try to set up a group interview. And um, then we do shadowing on the floor if we feel like they could be a candidate where they come to the store and they work a day, usually two, three days, to just kind of see if it's a good fit. You know, if they click, if um, we like their work ethic, if we um, feel like they're enthusiastic and um, nurturing, which are all very important characteristics. And uh, then, we, then we'll then we then do a job offer after that if everything works out. Yes, that's a very, that's a very lengthy process, but I guess it's, it's crucial to get that right team member that you're looking for. It is because we're putting, um, on average, about three months of bra fitting training into that individual. And so, you know, 
we recently had to let go of somebody who we had just put, you know, that amount of training in. We kept trying to make it work, trying to, you know, trying to help her, trying to, like I said, make it work. And at some point you just have to cut your ties. So it's much better if from the beginning, you're pretty sure that they want to be a bra fitter and they, you know, it's, it's important. And there, it's, it's complicated. It really is. So a good three months full-time work is about how long it takes before we can let them loose to help a customer who's never shopped with us. It's um, it's a it's a pretty arduous training process. Cool. It's not rocket science. It's it's harder. <laughs> it's worse, way worse than rocket. Science. Way. <laughs> so what for somebody just starting out in a startup within a within the retail space? What are some kind of words of wisdom you would give them, wanting to go into retail, knowing this industry is shifting from the brick and mortar mm-hmm. to online? Mm-hmm. But they really want that brick and mortar store mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they feel their experience is so important. What mm-hmm. would you give to them as kind of a little anecdote of advice that you've learned along the way? Well, I mean, if you're going to open a retail store in this day, you've got to have a good social media presence. Absolutely. You've got to have girls, women talking about you on Instagram and want to come into your store. Um, and you've got, to have a, you've got to have a good amount of capital to invest in inventory because if you don't have inventory – People start to, uh, well, they stop coming in, right? So it's super important. Like in the beginning when I started my business, I would special order a lot. But but then I realized, hey, bump up your inventory. Women love to leave with what they want. They want it in black. They want it in red. They want it too in beige. Make sure you have enough capital and use social media. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I think we're going to start wrapping up the show so what are some goals and milestones that you're setting for the next you know one year or five years for raw jeans i'd really love to see our internet presence increase um i would love to see our customers who can't make it into the store be able to go on our site and have a wish list that we've kept for them or have their their um, purchasing history that they can just readily go and use that i'd love to um expand our swimwear we have a huge swim season, but I'd like to make it even bigger, even more exciting. Um, those are two big goals, I think, for the next maybe the next year. Next year, okay, yeah. okay. So what what are some long term kind of projections that you're looking at, or are you even looking at long term stuff? Maybe ten years down the line. Ten years down the line, I'd like to have a buyer. I'm the buyer right now. <laughs> I'm the buyer. I'm the owner. Um, I have a great team that helps me with um, a lot of the personnel and the managing and the store operations. Um, But I would like to get to a point where, yeah, where I don't have to write refill orders five or six days a week. So personally, I would love to turn my daughter into that. We'll see where that goes. But that's um, a real goal for me so that I can have some freedom from the desk. Right. Yeah. Okay, so... What are some of the, some final parting words of wisdom that you have for the listeners before we kind of sign off here? Ladies, if you haven't had a bra fitting, don't be afraid. We can make it fun. You'll feel better. You'll look better. No, really. Um, just, uh, you know, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs, we hope, out there listening. Just go for your dream, you know? I mean, I started a bra fitting business from my home with $2,000 worth of seed money. I mean, I would drive around in my car with stickers on the outside that, and people would call me on my cell phone and say they were having bra emergencies. Just go for it. You know, if you have a dream, go for it. I love it. I love it. 
So what is something that I can help you with, if anything? You just go on being you, Patty G. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I will, I will do my very best at that. Thank you so much. So I want to say thank you, Jeannie, for coming on the show. I had a blast and learned a whole lot that I didn't think I would learn. So that's, you know, thank you so very much for that. Oh, thank you. And so, yeah, everybody, listen to the Patty G Show. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. See you again. Thank you so very much for listening to the Patty G Show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day to give this show a listen. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help us out, be sure to click that share button, like the Facebook page, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And with the show constantly growing, we are continuously looking for new guests to come on and share their unique story. If you or someone you know would be a perfect candidate for the show, be sure to reach out to us through the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Patty G Show. And finally, I hope that this show inspires you in some way to get out of that everyday muck we call the comfort zone and try something new, whether that be starting a new business or even taking up a new hobby. Just go on out there and give it a whirl. We got one life. Let's live it to the fullest we can. And if there is anything that I can do to help you with that, be sure to reach out to me through the Facebook page. I'm here to try and help as many people as I can get one step closer to achieving their goal. Now you go out and have a fantastic day. I'm Patty G. Thank you so very much for listening.